0: Hello and welcome to Art Talk on KBF 88.3 FM, the voice of the people. I'm your host, Rachel Trusty. Today I talk with artist Laura Rayburn about her upcoming exhibition at the Argenta branch of the William F. Lehman Library in North Little Rock. The show, which is entitled Island Dreams and Memories, opens this Friday night along with the Argenta Art Walk from 5 to 8 p.m. The exhibition runs from this Friday the 20th through February 9th. It contains both traditional oil paintings and mixed media work all centered around the idea of memories and nostalgia about an island she visited as a child and then revisited as an adult. Laura and I covered everything as we discussed her background, her art making process and inspirations, her upcoming show, and we also discussed the idea of memory and how revisiting a place from her childhood changed how she thought about both memory and nostalgia. Here's Laura Rayburn and I discussing her work for her upcoming exhibition, Island Dreams and Memories. Uh, my name's Laura Rayburn, well my
1: background, I don't want to go too far back, but um, I've been making art since I was a girl and grew up thinking that art was not a, um, a reasonable or a feasible career choice, so I tried to do other things, went into marketing, advertising, uh, studied English and Spanish in college, and loved them both. And um, have always enjoyed writing. So, um, but after many years and after I had two children, I started to realize that, especially when I started dreaming about (laughs) artwork, that I was not quite on the right path. And um, so I started, I I was doing at that time a lot of pottery and I hurt my arm doing so much pottery. And so I I quit that, started drawing and painting again. And that, that was probably in my, By this time, I was in my early 30s and um, moved from pottery to painting, had two small children, and started to sell um, commissioned paintings. But they, I felt like they were kind of mediocre. Why? I don't know. They were kind of flat. Mm -hmm. Uh, The drawing skills needed to be improved, value, Mm -hmm. color. I just knew that there were technical issues that I needed to learn more about if I wanted to make this a career. Um, And so um, in my, probably I was about 37 or 8, I decided to, I wanted to go to graduate school in art when I was in my early 20s. But like I said, I just didn't. I didn't have the confidence that I could build a career on that. I was just too scared. I also didn't have the work ethic that I have now. Um, And I have to really make myself, I mean, I don't make myself. I openly recognize that. I was not as driven. And something happened after I had children where I I became much more motivated, much more passionate, much more grateful for my time on Earth. I mean, just a much harder worker wanting to learn more in a way that I didn't when I was younger. And so uh, by the time my children, you know, weren't quite so little, they were probably 10 and 13 or so, uh, I decided to apply to graduate school at UALR. And I'd been doing lots of drawing and painting by then. So I had enough material to submit a portfolio. Uh, And got in the program, um... And that changed everything. Uh, I love, I cannot say enough good things about the faculty at UALR. I'm so excited about the new Wingate Applied Arts and Design building. That's just going to be a game changer for that campus and hopefully our whole community in Little Rock. Uh, But the faculty and the programming's already in place. So uh, my time there, every moment was well spent. My professors gave me constructive criticism that every single time made a difference, like elevated my work. And not everybody has to go back to grad school to learn how to be the artist they want to be, but I needed it. Uh, It gave me the structure, the art history classes, um, and the the critiques that, that made me grow faster than I would have been able to on my own. Uh, And so then that that led me to today. I graduated about two and a half years ago. And the last two and a half years have been producing a lot of artwork. Mainly paintings and drawings still? Yeah, Yeah, paintings and drawings. And then um, I teach a mixed media workshop at the Arkansas Art Center. And so my work now has two very distinct directions. One is um, paintings that are oil paintings, not, I wouldn't call them traditional oil paintings, they're uh, abstraction combined with representation. But they're all, they're oil paintings. And then the other group is mixed media. And that has, I didn't see that coming. Like, I've always had an interest in a lot of materials and learned about a lot of materials in, in school, but I didn't know how much teaching this mixed media class would inspire me to create you know, bodies of work that were mixed media that are very different from the oil paintings. Um, now, like for this upcoming show, there's a, there's a big difference, and some some people would criticize that and be like, "Oh, it's not a cohesive body of work," uh, but there is cohesion in the theme. Uh, there's a there is a, pr- a theme that's present in both both uh, methods, mm-hmm. but um, one is the oil group and one is the mixed media group and you'll see you'll see a big difference. Are your color schemes similar? Um, I'm really across the board on color. Um, I've learned to be more um, subtle with color so I use much more more subdued color palette on my oil paintings and then have pops of color versus all color all the way Um, and so Some of it, I wouldn't call it muddy, but some of it's kind of dark and then with really strong pops of color um, to contrast the dark areas. And then the mixed media is very colorful.
0: When you say mixed media, I know a lot of people know what that means, but mixed media is different for everyone. So tell us some of the materials you like to to use.
1: Um, Well, it's all on, most of it's on paper as opposed to the, the oil paintings, which are mostly on on canvas, although some of them are on um, Arches oil paper now. Uh, So the mixed media includes collage, uh, stencils. I like homemade stencils. Um, My favorite's Styrofoam homemade stencils. Uh, You can incorporate language and text, either by hand, or stencils, or stamps, or uh, image transfer is another of my favorite techniques. And it's a favorite in the class, too. Um, an image transfer is just when you use acrylic gel medium. I mean, there are different ways to do image transfer, as you know, but um, I use acrylic gel medium, and then you can print something off on your uh, um, printer at home or um, tear something out of a magazine. A newspaper works really well because the ink is loosely adhered to the paper to begin with, so it comes off really well easily onto your um, artwork. Well, a lot of texture, a lot of pattern making and a whole lot of texture. So you can use the acrylic gel medium to build up texture. Um, and then a lot of drawing with, it could be India ink, it could be charcoal, pencil, pen, markers, um, and then a water-based paints. So it could be um, watercolor or acrylics is what I use mostly acrylics
0: i want to talk about your current show but what i want to talk about before is what were you doing this is a body of work you've got on exhibition um it's about uh, i guess a, a mix of of current uh your current uh view of this is it a specific island or yeah and nostalgia and memory so it's a yeah. mix of past and present but what I want to know before is what what were you painting before this series and then how did it how does it feed in? How does it tie in? Okay.
1: Um, it's funny when you say what were you painting before? I've been working on it for so so okay. long. I'm like, what was I painting before?
0: Well, the things but I've seen were answers. not part of this. Yeah. So that's why I was yeah.
1: yeah. Um well, I don't want to go again too far back, but when I was in grad school at UALR, mm-hmm. I painted this is a very vague theme, but I painted I, I tried to capture moments that we often view as mundane and that we don't appreciate. And this ties into something I started years ago, which was a gratefulness practice, just in, in life, not in, in painting. But um, when I was in school, I kept being drawn to paintings that weren't too self-important, that weren't monumental. That were very simple moments but that somehow captured the viewers attention and helped the viewer consider something just to stop and pause and really think deeply about about something and to me that's part of what a gratefulness practice is just stopping thinking about being appreciative of something right right then and then moving on and we are so we are so fast-paced and I think that there are lots of things that happen every single day in all of our lives that are um, very uh, positive and could really nurture us, and we miss them. And so this whole um, grad school group was about, about that and about really noticing the mundane and how appreciating it can give us a higher quality of life. So then... Once I graduated, I was so scared that I would just be like, now what? You know, I, I, what what's happening? Nobody's noticing me. I don't have a career. What you know? I, what am I going to do now? And so I applied for an artist residency, and um, or several, and was accepted to two of them, and that was exciting. And attended one, and so when I returned from that residency, I used that experience for about a year on a body of work and had a a exhibit at Boswell Moreau Gallery. And and so that really consumed me, just these thoughts that um, I concentrated on during the residency, and that was about history and the past and memory and noticing small things still. So that kind of carried over from graduate school. Um, But how, um, if we ignore history were kind of uh, lost and the importance of of historical information telling stories to each other family history community history history of the south our you know our little rock central high history i mean how how those things little their visual details reminding us of that history and it's important, and so I, I said so that was part of that body of work that I exhibited at Boswell Moreau, um, and then and then that show and that group kind of was over, um, and then my dad very generously took the whole family back to uh, on this vacation, and we return, we went back to this place called Harbor Island, and it's in the Bahamas. It's really small, and when I was a little girl, my dad was in the Navy. And after his time in the Navy, he had a small airplane, and he'd fly around a different place, fly the family around. And so he was a flight surgeon in, in the Navy, so he was a great pilot, and we were so lucky getting to travel around with him that way. I mean, now I think that you know, that's just amazing and awesome. And uh, so he would fly us down to this little bitty place in the Bahamas and it was very unknown then, and um, very rustic. There wasn't there wasn't entertainment. There wasn't anything to do. Um, we, my brother and I, just played. Like we, I just wrote about this in my, in my blog. We found this litter of puppies under a boat. And just we would play all day long with those puppies. And um, this house we stayed in, there was a horse in the living room, and he stayed in the living room. I mean, he would go outside a little bit and then come back in. Um, so there were just all these the, all these kind of odd things about this this island. We got to know kids there, um, and as the years went by, the island became kind of discovered. Like not, I wouldn't call it shishi. It's still really rustic. There's no entertainment there or anything. But it is such a peaceful, beautiful place that once uber-wealthy people found it, they started buying houses there, and then the prices shot up, and we, you know, my husband and I couldn't go. And so, so it was a childhood place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we stopped being able to go once, once it got so kind of discovered and therefore more expensive. So that's why I said my dad generously took us, because it was a special treat, mm-hmm. and um, so this was about a year and a half ago that we returned, and it just, it, I guess any of us can go through this experience at any time. You don't have to have, have like, a vacation or something to, to experience this, but have you ever returned to a place from your childhood, mm-hmm. and it is jarring mm-hmm. because you, you remember it differently because your perspective was so differently, as, you know, as a, a young girl, but also the place has changed. And then also, your memory in your mind has changed details about the place. And so sometimes we like rewrite things in our minds and romanticize something or um, And also, this is kind of vain, but when you go back somewhere, well, of course it's going to change. Of course people are going to come and go and uh, live and die and forget who you are or, um, you know, things, things change. But in our mind, they, in our memories, they don't. Your memory, it's a, it's a frozen moment. I guess the vanity part comes in in that life goes on with or without you. Mm-hmm. So when you're not in a place... It's not like there's a vacuum Mm -hmm. where... It's not like there's a gaping hole that's missing you. Mm -hmm. You're just not there. I mean, this is no insult, but the vanity comes in because our memory can can tell us that we are an important part of that place, and that's just not necessarily true. The place can be important to us, but we are not necessarily important to that place. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, it's just it's just like what you were talking about like we we define even currently so much of ourselves our memories are part of who we think we are and what we think about and and how we define ourselves and and so if our memories aren't exactly accurate then you know what does that say and I know this gets into some deep weird water but to me it's all so cool to think about and it's really cool to read about Mm -hmm. like um I have a few authors who very much impact my work, and uh, one of them is Haruki Murakami, and he wrote, amongst other things, The Wind-Up Bird Chronicle, and he writes about time and the passage of time in the most mysterious, beautiful, just addicting, alluring way. Um, And then um, Alan Lightman, he, I'm going to talk very briefly about him in the opening night lecture. Um, he wrote um, Einstein's Dreams, which is some sort of worldwide bestseller. It's been printed in I don't know how many languages. And he writes about time. But he does it from the perspective of being a physicist. And so he has dual tenureship at MIT in both the writing department and the physics department. Oh, wow. So he, he is a writer, and he writes about time in a way with such deep understanding that most of us can't grasp. You know, time is just this strange human-created abstraction thing. I mean, you know, doesn't even really exist. It's just our way to meet somewhere at the same time and same place. You know, but but he writes about it in a way that. Um, and he writes about memory, and so when I, whenever I read an article by him or um, Einstein's Dreams, the only novel that I've read by him, it, I'm constantly thinking about my paintings and like how to how to compose them. And if I could compose a painting as well as he writes an essay, I would be that would be the pinnacle of my career. Well, it, it may not be possible. Um, and I emailed him to tell him how how uh, riveted I was with one of his articles that was in the New York Times, and he he emailed me back, and that was super exciting. I mean, I was just like, nerd thrill, you know, it was, just, it was awesome. Um, and then the third writer who influences my work and who I'm passionate about is Donald Harrington, and he's an Arkansan, and he passed away, I don't know how many years it's been now, I don't let myself think about it, because because I'm so crushed that he doesn't exist physically anymore but thank goodness his books are still here so um but he was an art history professor at the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville and I got to know him over the years initially it was through an email and then he um he let us do a Q&A I was in a book club and we read one of his books called With W-I-T-H and um and he, through the through the computer, did like an online Q&A when we did a book club one night. And then I ended up forming a friendship with him through email. And then my family and I went to visit him in Fayetteville once, he and his wife Kim. And he was deaf, so he had to, um, we wrote on little note cards. But he writes about place and time in a way that's just thrilling and he has kind of a cult following and I'm I'm
0: part of that Uh, I just love his writing so let's talk about then the actual physical work let's talk about um, seems like a layering of images Mm -hmm. so describe describe some of your pieces what we would see in this show and then tell us what kind of themes you're trying to explore with that because we've got you know we know memory but are you trying to resolve memory? Are you being nostalgic? Are you showing the problems of memory? Or, you know, what exactly? Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I don't even know if I have a definite answer to that. I know, and I mean, I should know what I'm doing with this. And and and, 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 and I partly do know. Um, in some of the paintings, you'll see a combination of images and the layers that you just mentioned and that references how we sometimes think back on a a time and create a memory but it's really a combination of things and we we smish it all together into this slide it's like a slide in a slideshow and slide a is that memory but it it's really a combination of things it's not just this crystal clear Objective view of of whatever happened. It's it's more um, it's more layered, and so I've tried to do that with the with the paint. And so I'll I'll paint a figure and then paint most of the figure out, and draw something on top of that, and then add an entirely different subject matter, and maybe all of that's in a pretty subdued color palette. And, you know, and I get kind of lost in it. There's not a pre-plan. It's not like I have it composed in my head, you know, the finished piece necessarily. I might think that that figure I painted out was going to be more dominant. And uh, and then I decide that it's really part of the background and part of the space and needs to be pushed back. Um, so I'll just keep adding layers until it becomes something that I'm satisfied with compositionally. Or... Um, I really like it when a painting ends up uh, bringing a viewer in and where they can find certain pieces of information. And when they find the information, it sparks uh, a discovery and a thought process of their own. And so they're going to interpret it very differently from the next person or from the way I do. And that thought process or that interpretation of their own you know, that has their own history and their own memory, you know, combining with the painting, with what they're thinking about the painting. And so I really, I don't, I sometimes do this on accident, but I don't like it when, when I produce a piece of art that just serves it all up on a platter, that just says, here, here, here's what I want you to see. Here's what I, what I hope you'll think. I, I really like for it to be um, much less clear. And much more open to interpretation. So, so you'll see in, in the exhibit um, paintings that have areas that have been painted out and pushed back, and then in the areas that are, are more defined, um, and paintings that combine abstract areas where you can't quite recognize things, or maybe there used to be something recognizable there, but that it's got some strange pattern painted on top of it now. And that that really is, to me, a nice contrast with the more representational areas. Um, I love the combination of abstraction and representation, and do do a lot of that in both the oil paintings and the mixed media. Uh, So it's really kind of different techniques. The oil paintings... There's still a lot of combination of imagery, a lot of painting out, a lot of abstraction with representation, Um, but it's all with a brush and it's all with oil paint. I do use some dripping and some stenciling uh, to add some variety of mark making. The mixed media group is also a combination of images. It's just done very differently with different materials. Mm -hmm. So I might do a drawing and say, okay, that's kind of boring might be a well-drawn hand or something, but what's, you know, it's dull. And so I'll stencil a word on top of it, and then I'm like, ah, that's too direct. And so then I'll paint just a big blob on top of that and let it drip down where you can see part of the word peeking out, and maybe you can figure out the word. Well, suddenly the word's much more interesting, and the hand's more interesting, too, because it's kind of hidden. And then you can start to ask questions about, you know, why's the hand painted over and what's that say? Um and so I just keep but I keep going.
0: I just, three three times is not enough. <laughs> there are lots of layers in those. Um, are you using reference photos or anything or just memory? What what are all you using to mostly get your reference images? photos? And um so like when we went on that trip with
1: my that my parents took us on, mm-hmm. took the whole family on, I did a lot of sketches while we were there just filled a, a journal of sketches and then took a whole lot of photos while we were there. So the last year and a half, I've been working with those sketches and those photos. And um, I really like to draw and paint from life. I find that it makes me a better drawer and painter. But when it comes to building this body of work with a certain theme, I find that using photos and sketches as the resource material is best. Mm -hmm. Um, and And sometimes I've composed the piece with the camera, instead of later. Well, no, not necess- that's not necessarily true. I'll compose. I like capturing that spontaneous moment of the figure that you can't really do with a live model because they're posing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I like painting people who aren't posing. And so while it's good technique practice to, to draw and paint from a live model, it doesn't do what I want Uh, as far as the spontaneity and that captured moment. Mm -hmm. So uh, for that reason, I use my camera for the spontaneous captured moment and then use the photo as I'm painting as the reference material.
0: So what's next? Are you going to continue working on this series and uh, applying with it to things, or are you yeah, are you ready I to will. move on? Yeah, no, I I don't think I'm done with it at all. I feel like I'm maybe in the
1: middle of it. As I do the work, I'll discover okay, I'm done with that style or that technique. Um, right now, I have a first I never saw this coming, but for some reason, I've gotten fixated more on botanicals. I've never been a lover of botanical art but I gave my mom for Christmas this book of botanical art and I was surprisingly just super drawn to it. I had to confess to her that I thoroughly looked through the whole thing before I gave it to her which was a little tacky but. uh, And then we went to someone's house recently, they had a, um, a New Year's Day housewarming and this couple has a fantastic art collection and they, had, uh, they have figurative art, and they had sprinkled in several botanical pieces. And, I mean, I'm a figurative artist. I thought I'd be obsessed over the figurative work, which I did pay a lot of attention to. But I kept going back to the botanical pieces. And I think that that speaks about my love of nature overtaking man-made objects. And I've, I have painted about that a long, long time ago. That was the portfolio that, that got me into the graduate program at UALR. And uh, so I can see myself going back to that, and that could relate to this island because so much was overgrown that I remembered as a child. We tried to find this old runway, and I, we kept passing it because you couldn't see the runway anymore because it was overgrown with both trash and nature um, so it was just interesting and it was still beautiful in this weird way so um, anyway I can see that kind of branching off um, have a couple of paintings in progress right now that are botanical there's, there's no man made object in there yet they might just be botanical
0: yeah.
1: so it, it could be a subset of the, the island memory group well, That'll thank you
0: for talking with us thank today. You. And Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Art Talk on KBF 88.3 FM. To learn more about Laura Rayburn and her work, visit her website at laurabrayburn.wordpress.com. If you would like to see images of her upcoming exhibition, Island Dreams and Memories, or to read more about her work and her artist statement, visit the Art Talk blog at arttalkkabf.blogspot.com. Today's episode was sponsored by the William F. Layman Library in North Little Rock. Join us this Friday at the Argenta of the Layman in downtown North Little Rock for the opening of Laura Rayburn's exhibition from 5 to 8 p.m. She will be giving a short talk about her work. We will also have poet Karen Hayes writing spontaneous poetry. Karen wrote a poem for me a couple of art walks ago, and it was incredibly touching. I framed it, and it's hanging on my wall. So I hope to see you all this Friday night.